The Kansas City Chiefs are your NFL champions. And your favorite way to digest the plethora of Super Bowl headlines starts right now. It is The Push-Off. Of the Push Off Podcast, your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened in Super Bowl 57 and and gets you ready for the future. I'm your host, Scott Ogan, and joining us as always, it's... Dan, Philadelphia tears are as delicious as their cheesesteaks. Right. That's right, Dan. Um, we talked about it last week. We've got uh, close friends for both these teams, and... Um, we don't have them on the on the podcast uh, now or, or uh, you know plan to currently, but uh, the closest thing we do have, Dan, is is yourself as a longtime <laughs> Cowboys fan, and have made very clear where your allegiance lies. So our listeners can at least be entering into this this episode with an idea of how that felt for you. But where I'm interested, how did that feel for you there on Sunday? So. I was as I was watching the game, it was hard to root against Jalen Hurts. It's sure. it's hard to root against. I've been talking about it all year. A very well built Eagles team. They're very very well built. However, I powered through it and I managed to do it. I managed to yeah. root against them very very hard for the entirety of the night. And honestly, they were probably the better team. That's the crazy part. They were the better team, but you cannot win with turnovers. You just can't mm. do it. If you look at some of the healthier teams, the ones that have been most consistently successful, they generally win the turnover battle and play good special teams. That was absolutely the difference between these Chiefs and the Eagles. They played phenomenal yeah. special teams with the exception of the Butker you know, doink off the side. Yeah. But aside from that, their special teams unit was better than the Philly special teams unit, and they didn't turn the ball over ever. Yeah. Um, first of all, everybody, if you have to excuse me, I'm getting over a little bit of a cold, just screaming at the TV during that epic game. Not Certainly not dozing off in the middle of the third quarter when it was really <laughs> getting good. That doesn't sound like me at all for this this uh, Sunday football game. No, I saw it all... Uh, in one way or another. Um, really had to get of, through that Rihanna concert, huh? Whoo! Yeah. Uh, it just takes so much out of you when she's dancing like that uh, for two. <laughs> dancing for two, as we say. It's, it's a real um, exertion on the viewer. Let's, uh, let's like, piece through this game. So what I kind of want to do is kind of hit the big stop uh, uh, steps. If you have anything to say, I'll leave little pauses because I think sometimes – when I do the recap stuff, I'm, it's just me talking. And I don't want that for the sure. Super Bowl. So I'll leave little pauses in there. And if you got anything to say, you throw it in. But so far, I mean, if you look at the stats on this one, which is one of the uh, – it's one of the things like the no losing team in the Super Bowl has ever scored 35 points and lost. This was a high-scoring game. Oh, absolutely. For the Super Bowl. Slugfest. Back and forth, uh, a lot of points. 
Um, but the stat line comes down to like when I usually grab these stats, I look for like big QB, big wide receiver, big sack games, things like that. Mahomes, three touchdowns, big game. Hurts over 300 yards, one passing, three rushing touchdowns mm-hmm. in this game. Huge game. And then Devontae Smith had exactly 100 yards receiving. Uh, that's kind of it, which is surprising when you say it's 38 to 35. But there was a balance out here of not one guy took over. Whoever was going to win the Super Bowl, your QB was going to be your MVP. I mean, unless they gave Nick Bolton that second touchdown. Sure. But anyways, that's where we're at. So the game starts with both teams running that script. And I'm not talking the joke script that the NFL has going around, but their uh, offensive script. Great drives. Both teams, great drives. Both touchdowns. 7-7. You're sitting down going, we're going to have a hell of a game here. This Okay. It, no, I mean, it, it's true. It's true. <laughs> so I was watching this, and the, the thing that worried me a lot is Philly ran a ton of plays on the first drive, and I was like, ooh, I thought, I mm. thought maybe with all this time, uh, Andy Reid would have had something in mind to to shut them down. Um, and then I remembered that Andy Reid doesn't coach the defense. <laughs> Andy Reid coaches the offense and comes right out and marches down the field, scores a touchdown. I thought it was I thought it was masterfully done by both guys. You could tell the prep did them a lot of good, and those those initial scripted plays were really precise. Yeah, and then as we progress through this, Dan, I mean, if if you got nothing to say, just go proceed. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to fill the the whole. Uh, the voids as I, as I give them. But all right, so the, moving on, the next touchdown is that 45-yard bomb to A.J. Brown. Uh, initially, I'm like, well, that has to be pass interference, right? Because how did he, it look so weird at the end? He just adjusted to that ball better than anyone else. Everyone else kind of lost it, and A.J. Brown's under it. Just great draft uh, uh, trade, draft night trade, oh. A.J. Brown paid off you know, tremendously for the Eagles this no year. No question. I mean, A.J. Brown was not the best offensive player on this team, but he was absolutely the most offensive or most explosive offensive weapon. If you don't do that draft night trade, maybe we're talking about Trail and Burks, and we're probably not talking about the Eagles in the Super Bowl. No, no, no. And then um, the uh, Eagles get the ball back after this. The, the Chiefs offense can't do anything. They get the ball back. The Eagles have that third and short play that is just unstoppable this year. Line up behind them, shove hurts. The offensive linemen basically go to the ground, and everybody goes over them, and that's their 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 push there. I can't. I, I'm like the Eagles do this this play better than everyone else. Maybe there's like a cheat to it that the NFL gets behind and goes, yeah, you can't do this or this anymore. But they're not really doing anything illegal with that nope, play. Just so. I guess copycat league, and you see other teams try the same stuff coming up. Well, it, it really does have a lot to do with Jalen Hurts' lower body strength. <laughs> you know, that's that's true. Too. That's the crazy yeah. thing is, though some some of these look like his feet were off the ground. So he he does get himself up onto the pile and gets himself moving forward, but it's absolutely a factor of Jalen Hurts' lower body strength. So you know, you're not going to put Joe Burrow in this situation where he's rushing it right over the top, taking big fucking shots five or six times a game. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay, so the reason why I bring up that play, though, is because that's what they're lining up to do when they get the false start call on them. Mm -hmm. And the very next play is the Hurts drop. And, of course, Dan, you you alluded to this, can't do it. It's the only thing I would say Jalen Hurts did wrong in this game. 
is that accidental drop of that football. I mean, the, the rest of his game was amazing. You could make an argument that that um, <laughs> the touchdown throw um, to A.J. Brown was probably a mistake because if the defense had <laughs> played that correctly, that's probably an interception. Yeah, it did float up there. That's true. But Bit of a lame duck. It works. I mean, since it's a touchdown and we move on from that. But this one, yeah, just, just drops that ball. Scooped up by Nick Bolton. We got a tie game. And that was a uh, little relief giver back to the Chiefs, too, because the Eagles were dominating this first half. And then they continued to after this by getting a touchdown and a field goal on the a end. A touchdown yeah, on like a just, tremendous drive, a seven-minute, 15-play drive. Right after the fumble where you already had the ball and you were driving to, like they dominated time of possession in the first half of that this game. And uh, two, they, they, you get the ball back and kick a field goal after you see – um, Mahomes get wrapped up in an ankle tackle that totally reaggravates his injury. That we see like close up of his face just grimacing in pain as he hobbles to the sidelines. Like it, that moment has to be the peak, the halftime here for Eagles fans. They got to sit there, watch Rihanna, and just think, you know, about ready to bring this thing home. Oh, I mean, it was if it weren't for the fact that I knew Kansas City got the ball in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. I would say game over after that field goal, after the Mahomes injury and the field goal. It, it seemed very, very far away. But I texted a few people, namely Garrett. I said, I have seen <laughs> Pat Mahomes come back from a 10-point halftime deficit before. I saw him do it in a Super Bowl before against a really good defense before. Uh, so, you know, not all hope is lost. It wasn't looking good, I'll grant you that. Um, yeah. But at this point, the Eagles really just made the one mistake that allowed... Kansas City to stay in the game because you, I got to imagine if it wasn't for that fumble, we're probably talking about a fourteen to maybe seventeen point uh, Philadelphia Eagles lead. Yeah, could have very well have been. And you're right, I, I it felt insurmountable at the time, but then you go in the halftime and they're kind of chirping it too because you know why everybody's still watching this game, but they're like, you know, the uh, it took just a fourth quarter for the Chiefs to do it against San Francisco when they won. Super Bowl just a few years back, mm-hmm. and, and you forget that until it is kind of reminded to you. Yeah, I can't count the Chiefs out. In fact, they did it, I think, that entire playoff drive yeah. uh, drive for them. They, they, they were just the comeback guys. So they come back in this one in that opening drive. Brilliant one right down the field, um, answering the Eagles. It's 21-27, Eagles into the fourth quarter. Well, that one – made it yeah 21-27 or 21-24 then the Eagles <laughs> immediately another long uh drive made it 21-27 into the fourth that's where I'm like the longest drive in Super Bowl history <laughs> right like 17 plays yeah, it was just ludicrous and the fact that it took om- almost a half a quarter actually no I think it took a half a quarter it literally took half the third quarter uh, yeah, because the Chiefs got their touchdown with 9.30 left on the clock, so it was over half left for the Eagles to go down there, and then they made their field goal with 145. Ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous drive. At that point, when they, when I felt like Kansas City scored the touchdown to open the third quarter, I was like, all right, we got a game. When they went on mm-hmm. that long drive, I was like, oh, my God, maybe the Eagles are just going to choke them out. Like, this is, yeah. this is the Eagles offense we were afraid of all year that just grinds you down and keeps your defense on the field for long periods of time. Like, I just don't understand. Like, this is when I got worried that Kansas City wasn't going to be able to pull it out. And Kansas City's 
Offense certainly, yeah, showed up in the second half, but it still came down to who was going to have the ball when the time ran out. And it just so happened it was the Chiefs here, and we're going to get to the end here in this fourth quarter. But, yeah, that's this is back and forth. It was back and forth the whole time. So could have easily been uh, an Eagles win, and that's, I think, what makes it even more heartbreaking uh, for the Eagles is that, yeah, could have very easily been yours. Um, this one uh, is when Kansas City takes their first lead of this game. They've been tying it up to this point. 28-27 was the touchdown on the Kadarius Tony pass where he gets wide open. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time, I think, in the game where we see that route. <laughs> and then Eagles go, oh, are the Chiefs are like, we found something. Yep. And everybody points to when the Jaguars beat uh, or played the Eagles earlier in the year or whatever. And maybe there's a play in there, but this was something that the Chiefs were doing specifically with their speedy wide receivers, and Kadarius Tony does it first. The, the the route I'm talking about, and I think you've seen it by now, is you fake the in yeah. uh, like a drag, and then you just shoot it right back out. And that one to Tony immediately, uh, I think it's Slay, is passing off uh, Tony to yeah. somebody else to go inside and then just ignores that he runs back outside. And great Great play called up, I am sure, Andy Reid. Everybody kind of uh, focused on Travis Kelsey in that situation because um, it was also, you know, inside the five-yard line. So, you know, that's your number one concern. Um, you're not really as worried about a speedy wide receiver if he's contained on the outside. But that motion absolutely devastated Philly's defense. Um, there was really nothing they could do because it was kind of a false jet sweep. That was the thing that really mm-hmm. fucked them up. Um but yeah, I I watched that and I went, oh boy, that is a defensive problem. Um, <laughs> and then you know, luckily that touchdown happened. The Eagles get it back, and then the Eagles punt three. Yeah, it was a three and out, and it was the first three and out Eagles had all game. The worst possible time to do it, and the punt ends up in Tony's hands. He bounces off of his first hit. And, yeah, damaging all the way down the sidelines. He fi- finds a bunch of blocking. He's down at the five-yard line. It's a back- backbreaker because you just lost your lead. It's a one-point game. It's still anybody's at that point, but now you're giving up points. And now, to the Eagles' credit. <coughs> Thank you. To the Eagles' credit. they Bless kept them, you? <laughs> yeah, they kept him down to third and goal, and then – same exact uh, route to Sky Moore. Sky Moore is open for that same same little fake in, shootout, touchdown. And you have to worry at that point for the Eagles of like, oh my God, we actually need to go back to the drawing board defensively here in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl because yeah, way too late. there's an exploit and there's a problem. And honestly, I feel like, uh, and, and actually we'll talk about it again, because Kansas City did it again. Later. A third time and a huge play. Yep. So we're getting there, but uh, you're right. Here's where I think I texted you because uh, we see this happening. Was like, this is over, and I was like, at the Eagles, can they play from behind? Yep. Uh, something we like didn't see all season is all of a sudden now they're down eight, at deep in a fourth quarter Super Bowl. Like, can the Eagles be the the catch up team? And they did. They they came down the field. Hertz runs it in and runs in a two point conversion. Uh, we're being told he's had a, like a super bad injury up around his uh, Adam's apple. Is that what I'm hearing? What? It's some like neck injury with uh, Jalen Hurts. Ooh, that I didn't even hear about. They've been talking about it since the Super Bowl, but it's like, God, he's been running into like 
traffic with this stuff, whatever he's been nursing. Mm. Um, he's uh, get he ties this game thirty five all, and it's five and a half, uh, five minutes and fifteen seconds, according to Google here. Google has uh, put out a little nice step by step of the scoring summary uh, this year. Off and on, they didn't do it all year, but they have it now. Nice. So taking advantage of it. But anyway, so um, five minutes, 15 seconds, tie game. At this point, Dan, what are we thinking? At this point, I'm thinking that the uh, – I mean, we're at a point where it's starting at the Kansas City 25. I'm thinking this is where Kansas City can kind of put their foot on the throat and just score a field goal. And Got them right where they want. Yeah, score a yeah. field goal. Or Honestly, they had not been stopped by the Philly defense – since the first half, the Philly defense had not been able to stop them from doing anything that they wanted. So this very much felt like as long as you didn't give the Eagles the ball back, there's very little chance this isn't the final possession of the game. Uh, that wound up being true, but for different yeah. reasons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, five minutes and 15 seconds I thought was asking a lot to, to burn off the clock, but they, they did end up doing it. Uh, first of all, the they did it mostly by running the ball, mm-hmm. amazingly, uh, that the Kansas City Chiefs returned to running the football at the end of the Super Bowl, but here we are again. Um, the uh, Mahomes run on the bad ankle, gutting it out, I think that needs to be talked 26 about. 26 like yards. S- signature play for him for this Super Bowl. Like, go out and win an MVP. Like, that's the thing. That's what it, I think that's what you look back in the Super Bowl and, and tag him for. And it was a field um, that, flipper too. That's the thing. It's like yep. they're on the fi- they're on their own half right there. You know, it it got them pretty much in the range to to take the lead. Yeah. yeah. Um. Then it's the uh, the juju play. It was it, that we boil down to that third down, throwing it to juju on the same little in and out. Bradbury's on him this time, and they they throw a flag on the third down. There is here we are, <laughs> the best angle for this is from NFL Films. I did see it, and I saw it today. And, yeah. and it is, uh, if you're the up-back judge, you're like, that is absolutely fucking lutely a hold because he literally grabs yeah. the back of his jersey and changes the trajectory of his route, which is exactly mm-hmm. what defensive holding is. I understand that it is a shitty time to call defensive holding. I understand that. However, you cannot hold in that situation either. The reason he was holding is because he was beat. He was beat. Sure. So if he's beat and he's holding and he's holding and he's wide open, it's just Juju on that side, you know the up back is looking at you. You know that judge is looking at you going, oh, yep, there it is. That's the fucking thing. It, it was a bad decision, but Bradbury was beat. There was nothing he could do but take the chance and hold yeah. and just kind of hope it didn't get caught. Yeah, here's what I th- my thoughts of it too because we've – we're uh, set this recording this a little bit later in the week because uh, we're good husbands and it was Valentine's Day. Yeah, our usual come on. recording day. So we had some time. I had some time here to really think about this football game. This call and the way I think of it is what Bradbury said afterwards is very telling. He goes, "Yeah, I held him. Uh, I was hoping that the ref would uh, not not throw the flag on it." It's it's a very much now, uh, especially holding defensive holding. Mm. It's become very much like an offensive holding call. Subjective. It's all subjective. How much of it should it be worth a call or not? Is that worth keeping the po- you know flag in my pocket at this time in the game or not? 
And the other reason why it's bothersome in this game, in this situation, is first time all game a defensive holding call was called. And you can't tell me that nobody else held this entire game on any routes. I think Bradbury, I think the Eagles, you know, like we have laid this out. They saw that route burn them twice. They're standing there on the sidelines going, we got to fix it in some way. And the only thing they could think is we're going to still go man to man. We're not going to pass them off because we need to know who's on them. I do think you need some type of safety help and maybe, maybe didn't have that. Yeah. Maybe they were a little confused there, but Bradbury saw it happening to him and he had to reach out and do something. And, and, and it's totally truthful. What he's saying is I was just hoping that the ref didn't call it because he didn't all game is the way I'm reading it. And that's what bothers me about the situation. I can't argue that it wasn't a hold. Of course it yeah. was. And even if they do not call it, it's a field goal there, and it's still going to take quite a miracle for the Eagles to go back and win it. Maybe they can tie it up with a field goal. Would it result in a more exciting ending to a very exciting game? Yes, and that's an unfortunate thing. So here's the interesting thing. They always say holding could be called on every play. Right, that's the thing. Yeah, That is a misunderstanding of what holding is. Holding you can actually get your hands on your opponent's jersey. But specifically, the rule has been changed since the 1980s. Everybody forgets that it was changed in the 1980s. Is that you can actually grab that guy. You can grab his fucking jersey and push him around. But it has to stay, and this is the critical thing, inside the cylinder. That's what it basically means. You have to be, if you're up at the shoulder pads, it's going to get called every time. You know, if you've, if you've got him, you know, by his side and he's moving laterally, and you've still got his jersey, even if it doesn't affect the play, you're going to get called for holding. You see a jersey stretch, boom, that's going to get called for holding. It's just the way it works. Mm -hmm. For a defensive back, you're not going to get called for holding if you're roughing up the wide receiver inside two or three yards. But if your hands change the direction of his route, not through force, but through restriction... That is going to cause a holding call, which is exactly what happened on this play. So, yeah, you sure you could call holding on every play. There's you know hands to the face on pretty much every play. There's probably roughing on every single play, but there's a certain amount of tolerance. You cannot allow yeah. something like this to happen when you know it's play side. And this is the one thing I think people are forgetting. In all likelihood, a coach probably talked to the judge, the line judge, the up back, and said to him. Watch Juju. Because if you draw a ref's attention to it prior to the play. And he sees it happen to him, sure. What the fuck are you going to do? You're going to be like, hey, I, I fucking told you this was going to happen, and I, you just watched it happen. This happens a lot. Tom Brady gets a lot of credit for doing shit like this, where he says to the ref, hey, I think this is going to happen on the next play, and then it does, and because the ref is actually looking for it, he throws the flag. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm pretty sure I, I would love to see some audio on the field or audio on the sidelines of them being like, hey, Bradbury's going to hold because we're going to run that same fucking play that they haven't figured out yet. That I yeah, would be shocked yeah. if that did not happen. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, yeah, it's I can't argue it. Bradbury doesn't argue it that there isn't a hold, and he did hold. It's just a matter of, like you say, the, you know, an extent to it, a subjective. It's a, you know, the, the five-yard to 15-yard face mask. I You know, they did away with that stuff now, but it's that kind of type of call. So, yeah, it's a tough one, but I, I'm I'm glad we discuss it because it needs to be discussed. It, it was a big part of this game, but I'm, I'm with you on there that 
in the end, it's not going to matter. You know, no. it didn't matter. Um, 27-yard field goal for the lead after this, leaving just eight seconds on the clock. They ran it all the way down. Um, Hertz tries to throw what is end up being a 70-yard throw there at the end. Yeah. Doesn't have doesn't have that arm. I don't know what that plan was. He's but. never really had a good arm. Like he's, It's not a cannon on the guy. It's accurate, but it's right. not a cannon. But in this game, I mean, if you would have told me, you know, one of these quarterbacks threw for over 300 yards in this game, I would have assumed it was Mahomes and not Hurts. So Hurts, not his fault other than they dropping that that ball uh, in this game that they didn't win. But uh, that's how it ends. 38-35, Kansas City Chiefs are your Super Bowl champions. Once again. I don't know. So there's two parts of me. I'm, I'm a football fan, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a football fan. There's, I describe myself a couple different ways. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm a football fan. But also important, and this is on my family crest, is Eagles <laughs> hater. <laughs> and as a hater, this game was succulent. I loved this yeah. thing. As a fan of football, I was bummed the way it ended. As a fan of not the Philadelphia Eagles, I loved the ending because it was so particularly crushing. Yeah. Crushing. It crushed this is and we talked about it. There's the Des caught it moments, right? There's what this podcast is named after, which is for you, the push off for me and the rest of NFL history, the Hail Mary. There are always those things. There's the helmet catch, which for Patriots fans is a fucking nightmare. But then mm-hmm. there's also that, you know, Julian Edelman catching it over three fucking people, you know, and if you're Atlanta, if you're an Atlanta yeah. Falcons fan, you're like, Jesus, put a gun in my mouth. There's always one of these plays in the Super Bowl. This was that play. It sucks that it was a penalty, but this was that play where you go, oh, Jesus. But if you're an Eagles fan, maybe you can go back a couple plays when you allowed a 65-yard punt return that was clean. You know, mm-hmm. maybe if you're an Eagles fan, you can go back and look at the fact that you literally couldn't stop Kansas City for any one of their possessions for the entire second half. Let's say the Eagles somehow fo- figured out a way and pulled this one out. I think on the other side of the ball, we'd be looking at Kansas City going, I think Bolton's second touchdown worked. I think that was sure, a, absolutely. enough of a catch by Sanders that that was a fumble and he scooped it up and the guy should be MVP. Yeah. And we should have the, you know, uh, it's a very questionable, it's a bang bang. They argued it on the the uh, um, broadcast too. Like, could have gone another way. So, we have, we we watched a, a razor thin football game. It was great. Of two very good teams that and and could have fallen either way. So, on that side of it too, Dan makes it even more of a heartbreaking loss for the Eagles, and a little bit more juicier for you. So there you go. Um, I'm very sad team- for Todd particularly. Yeah, we've talked yeah, about it. Bad. I've expressed it to him. I feel bad for Todd. I talked, to, I talked to him during the game a little bit, and then I quieted up in the second half because I know, I didn't, I have no idea what he's going through. I've never seen my team get that far, but I get the idea of like, dear God, the last thing I want to do is talk about this. So I don't know if he's gonna, if he's listening to this one this week, Dan. But uh, <laughs> if he does put it on uh, down the line in, in the uh, off season. Applauds to you, Todd. Oh, I mean, honestly, there is nothing about this Philadelphia team that gives me more pause than the fact that they have a young quarterback, clearly talented, who's going to be under team, basically team control, affordable team control, because I consider the franchise tag for a quarterback at this point kind of affordable, mm-hmm. for two years. 
for two years, and you have A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, who are both top 15 wide receivers in the league, in my mind. Dallas Goddard, well, he's got, who's been fantastic. Sorry, go and you've got still got this offensive line. Now, that offensive line, Lane Johnson might not be lasting too much longer. Jason Kelsey might be gone after this year, potential retirement. Mm-hmm. But it's a well-built team, and they seem like they've got guys in place uh, as backups. So if you're an Eagles fan, this doesn't close the window by any stretch of the imagination, unfortunately for me, but it does not close okay. the window. I want to give it to, uh, more things to Jalen Hurts for this game. Uh, ties a Super Bowl rushing touchdown record with three. Uh, him and Terrell Davis yeah. out of that record. He's the only player in history to throw a touchdown and run for two touchdowns. Uh, also, uh, quarterback rushing record in the uh, Super Bowl two beat out uh, Steve McNair's 67 yards by about, I think, just three yards, though, but he does that. Uh, everybody beats so he, McNair by a couple yards. Oof, just, yeah, just that it. Um, we also have... The, the other side of the ball is what happened to this Eagles defense who had a um, record-setting sack uh, season, I think, yeah. for the NFL. And uh, in this game, zero sacks. In fact, one tackle for a loss the entire game. I mean, I thought it was clean. I thought, you know, it wasn't like there was a lot of holding calls that weren't called. I just thought they could yeah. not get pressure. I thought Mahomes was making wonderful decisions, getting the ball out of his hands quickly, feeling pressure well. There's a and reason why him, he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Well, we give Mahomes the MVP because he can't give it to the five guys in the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Pretty much. That played tremendously in this game. They, they really did. They dominated the game. Um, Pat Mahomes, here's a stat, in five seasons as a starter now, he has 12 or more wins every year, five appearances in the AFC Championship game, five Pro Bowls, all these are, again, every year, two MVPs, he's been to three Super Bowls, he's won twice, two Super Bowl MVPs, and he's now become the first regular season MVP to win that Super Bowl, breaks that curse. Throws it out the window. He's 27 years old. And I was Good I was God. wrong. Brady had won three by the time he was 27, so I apologize. Okay. He had won okay. three. All right. So, um, but Mahomes is now listen. in that conversation to catch and pass Tom Brady. Isn't that nuts? Listen, Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL now that Tom Brady's retired. He is the <laughs> – I, I want to say it like this all the time because I know our other uh, friend Gary is listening to this one. You know, wonderfully. So I, I just keep saying that Pat Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of in the NFL. You know, now that Tom Brady's gone, he's the great. <laughs> I mean, you know, Tom it's Brady true. luckily retired, so now Pat Mahomes can be the greatest. It's true. We he, judge I mean, a guy by the wins, right? We judge a guy by Super Bowl wins, and it's either him or Jimmy Garoppolo by that logic. Yeah. No. And we talk about you know all time or whatever else, but yeah, I'm being facetious, but. uh Amazing stats already for a very young kid. Just just mind-boggling what he's done already. The fact that this year he led the league in passing, he had his second 5,000-yard passing season, yeah. and his second MVP, and his highest completion percentage of his career, which, I mean, that's kind of fucking scary. So he's not mm-hmm. even throwing the ball as much as, as he was, and just absolutely threat just destroying people it's it's honestly it's honestly kind of amazing yeah 
Um, we had the the brothers after the game. Uh, I heard that apparently Jason to Travis Kelsey, the quote is, he says, fuck you, congratulations. Correct. As any losing brother would to the winning brother of a Super Bowl. Correct, and, a, and an appropriate <laughs> response when talking to your brother right. in the Super Bowl. Their, their podcast that they do, which is also very good, uh, got very emotional yeah. this week. Very emotional. And uh, I thought it was great. You know, they were talking about what that means uh, as a family. You know, you're watching someone that you love, that you care about, um, be the happiest they've probably ever been in their career. And you're watching your brother probably be the saddest he's ever been in his career. Because I don't know if there's... We talk about it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And you ask any Super Bowl loser and they'll disagree with you because that's, that's a gut punch. Like... Jason Kelsey's got to be thinking, I'm probably never going to get back here, you know? Yeah. And if I do, I won't be as good as I am right now. I'm going to get another year older on the offensive line. So, yeah, I I feel for the guy, but, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey, I mean, we've talked about Tony G and Rob Gronkowski, but, I mean, Kelsey's got to be in there now. He's top three all-time tight end. Yep. No, yeah, he gets certainly in the conversation. You got to give it to him. Uh, the position has changed so much uh, through the years that it's it's an entirely different position now, but it's interesting. Um, another neat thing about this, so this is something I got from uh, com. That's one of our uh, favorite websites that, that makes fun of football. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little like a, the conspiracy of sorts. Uh, you think about the players that really did have a big part of the outcome of this game. Kadarius Tony. Yeah. You know, punt return touchdown, and then Bradbury's the one who grabs the jersey there at the end to help out the Chiefs too. So these are both old New York Giants conspiring in a way to make sure the Philadelphia Eagles' hearts are broken. Is that possible? I would, I would love if that was the case. I would love it. Kadarius Tony threw, you know, a sheer physical attempt, and Bradbury threw. Uh, I'm not going to call it incompetence, but a little bit of, a little bit of gamesmanship, a little bit cheaty times. Right? Maybe he just meant to do that. It was a, uh, um, you know, a secret agent the whole time for these Giants, just to make sure those Eagles had that heartbreak one, one last. Oh, no, that's only dream. Um, the other thing we need to bring up in this game is the field conditions. Yeah. So it's uh, when it makes this much news, you know it's a problem. I mean, I, I've seen headlines, there's articles, there were even podcasts and stuff of people talking about the uh, the field sod grown at a local sod farm for two years leading up to this game. I wanted to really get into it. They were giving me names and numbers to the sod stuff, and then I got real bored and <laughs> stopped paying attention. From what I did see, though, it cost the NFL about $800,000 for this field that everybody hates. Yeah, I mean, it's a tremendous waste of money. Um You'd figure you can grow some fucking grass in Arizona with a domed building. Like, how hard is yeah, it to grow you fucking water grass? water the heck out of it. It's in the desert. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was slippery as shit. The, that's, I will say that's probably an advantage that they had is that the Chiefs had played on this field before, earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. You know, they had longer cleats. The, the Eagles, strangely enough, switched cleats during halftime. And then had a worse halftime. So maybe the Chiefs needed to be slipping around a little bit more. Yeah, the slipping was bad for especially the Eagles on that side. And you're right, we did, we're did. we told they changed 
their cleats and everything, but didn't seem to help. Um, the only other things I have in this game is Lane Johnson. Like I talked about, he's going to get groin surgery uh, after this. He's been playing on injured uh, for the Super Bowl. So we said, yeah, unfortunately, um, as good as he's been, he's getting up there in age. So we'll see how he bounces back. And uh, Chad Henney retiring right after the Super Bowl on a little uh, tweet with like a beer in his hand. Uh, Chad Henney, a uh, famous career backup as it is with the Dolphins, Jaguars, and now Chiefs from 2008 to 2022. He retires with two Super Bowl rings. Go Blue. Oh, so, yeah, sorry. It's Patrick Mahomes, Chad Henney, and Jimmy Garoppolo. That's well, yeah. After this game, yeah. Did you, have right. you heard about the going back to the sod for a second? Did you hear that? Oh, go ahead. The the sod was maintained by a Chiefs fan. Okay, yes, this thing came out. Something about this guy being supposed to supposedly for the Chiefs and some weird connection to that. But I can't. I mean, to the extent of what, like he's going to make it slipperier and then tell the Chiefs wear certain cleats. I mean, there's not like cleats that weren't available to the Eagles this whole time. I don't know what that. I I think it's... it was the fact that we maybe have a different conversation if the Chiefs come out in long cleats, the Eagles don't, and the Eagles come out and just have a real bad first half. Then right. then we're having a different conversation. The fact that the Eagles were playing on this field and doing better than the Chiefs for a full half and then decided to make changes and then lost the game, I don't think you could blame the field at that point. You're both playing on the same fucking field. I don't know when the the cleat changes happened. I don't know if they happened at halftime or during a switch or Some something. Some happened during the second quarter. Yeah, so, but you're right. It's You find reasons and other things to blame. Um, it was a super bad field, and I think it's something the NFL is going to definitely make sure they don't have happen again but other than that i don't know if one team got a competitive advantage than the other because they're playing on the same field you yeah know? exactly um how, how about this though pat mahomes yeah. signed it that like almost 500 million dollar contract a couple years ago uh yes already worth it yeah i already he's, he's at, good <laughs> this is one of my career or career uh crazy stats but i'm gonna put this in here now the the record was once that it was, and it was Steve Young's record, that the salary cap percentage, you know, limit for a QB is uh, was at thirteen point one percent of your salary cap for a team. Yeah, couldn't be over that. Nobody ever had more than Steve Young. Well, now Mahomes has the record because his salary cap hit was seventeen point one six percent. We're still relatively low, relatively and not low. too much off the uh, the young one. But so yeah. He, Quarterbacks are very important. They touch the ball, you know, half your plays on your team, um, not counting special teams. But dang it, you know, you can't pay them everything. Apparently, you got to pay. You got to have your other stars in there. But you can pay them goddamn near twenty percent. You're probably okay. There you go. Um, so that's kind of what I have for the game. Obviously, we'll keep touching back on the Super Bowl. But Dan, uh, that game, or you want to talk halftime show, Rihanna? Uh, I didn't love the halftime show, if I'm being honest. And I, I enjoy me some Rihanna, but I thought it was uh, I, I didn't get. And you know, she's pregnant. I understand the decisions that you make, but uh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't like wowed by Rihanna. Um, I love Rihanna. I think the songs are great. I think she's got a great catalog. Um, yeah, just it wasn't wasn't really impressive. 
Yeah, the dance people, the snowsuit people, uh, they did a good job. Everybody was kind of in unison, and she would, like, bounce in and out of there. And I think somebody showing that much pregnancy able to do that, very impressive. Also, I was just nervous as heck of her on those floating stages. Oh, she was um, fine. She was strapped in. She had her... Strapped in. Yeah, she had her strapped in there. And then, like, what's funny is, like, you know, when they landed and she got down and walked around on the stage and then went back to it, I missed the part where they strapped her back up again and it starts raising. I was like, when did they, did somebody get back? Oh there? yeah. You can see <laughs> if you watch it again, you can actually see uh, a guy goes behind and, and ties her in. She's got like her coat thing there blocking it well she's enough. She's got a carabiner. Yeah, like, she's good. Let's be, let's be careful, Rihanna. Yeah. Um, and then the commercials were honestly very, uh, underwhelming. Oh yeah. I tried to keep it, keep in touch of them and stuff, but they'd spent a lot of time talking about things that, you know, used to be popular and, and kind of bringing them back. You had a, a Breaking Bad commercial, a Clueless ad, mm-hmm. um, uh, ad with um, uh, John Travolta singing the oh, song. And he from was the flat. 70s. <laughs> he was flat. Well, he hasn't been needing to do that stuff for a long time. Um, so, yeah, there wasn't a lot of uh, even exciting commercials. There was that one with Coors and Miller like guys fighting over stuff, and then at the very end, they're like, nope, it's Blue Moon. Uh oh, Blue Moon. That's not good. <laughs> you had everybody thinking about these two cheap beers while you're like, it, it's us. We just paid for a commercial for all three of us. Weird. I, I watching this these Super Bowl commercials. I will say one of the one of the problems is that no one was swinging for the fences. Sure. And normally the Super Bowl is a time when you can actually see a couple fucking. I I've had Super Bowls where. I've had commercials have me like rolling on the floor that they yeah. were so good. They just, you know, absolutely lowered the boom on me. This, yeah, everybody's played it pretty fucking safe. To your point, there was a lot of nostalgia, which is always a safe way to go because you're like, oh, if you didn't like it, it's probably because you didn't like the original and that's fine. You know, there's there was no swinging for the fences. There was no like truly original shit. Um like I still remember the Office Monkeys commercial. You know what I mean? Like so many monkey commercials, oh, so, so many good. funny dog commercials. Yeah, there's I don't know. I feel like too the, the internet and being able to just like stream them whenever is kind of let uh the, the uh companies off the hook where they're like, "Well, we don't have to come up with anything too big. We'll just let our online persona if they really like us, they'll find us there." kind of thing. So but, um, yeah, it was just kind of underwhelming this year, and I hope that there's a resurgence when it comes to it because that keeps you enthralled in the entire, like, day-long excursion of sitting on that couch and watching football. Oh, I will say probably the best one this year was the Rockstar commercial where stop calling people fucking rock stars. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one was fun. That was pretty yeah. good, I and I agree with it 100%, <laughs> where I'm just like, yeah, people use that term way too much. A rock star is fucking, that's heavy duty, man. Like, you ain't a rock star. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's the Super Bowl, folks. Uh, I've got a little bit of news here to wrap up the show. Uh, we can talk about the uh, the hirings that has happened here this last week. Our co- uh, head coaching carousel has come complete. We have finally wrapped up the last two head coaching spots. That was the Colts and the Cardinals. And when you know it, they took both the coordinators from the Eagles. Uh, so Philadelphia, as we talked about coming back with stuff, uh, you're going to have to rehash your, your coaching staff yeah. here. So Philly's D coordinator, off- very lucky, because he already had his fucking bag pack. He was not coming back to that city after that fourth quarter. 
Oof. I mean, and that's funny, too, that he gets a head coaching job right after that performance. Not a good one to start off on, but um, well, do you, that's do you Jonathan Gannon. Kyle Shanahan yeah. was absolutely leaving the Falcons. He was going to be the 49ers' next head coach, and then proceeds to have and then we had the Super probably Bowl. The, yeah. the most boneheaded second half of a Super Bowl offensive coordination that's ever been done. So I can just say that to that Jonathan Gannon was like, you know, he had his bags packed. He was getting ready to go play Cardinals. And Kind of. You know, he I, yeah. he literally didn't have to leave. He just stayed in Arizona and was like, yeah, I'm not getting back on the plane, guys. Uh, I'm only getting back on the plane if we win. We lost, so uh, see you on the East Coast when I see you. Defensive coordinator uh, for the Eagles is now going to be head coach for those Arizona Cardinals. Um, he's inheriting a mess, folks. He's got to get a QB to at least play the beginning of the season because even Kyler Murray's going to be injured for that. And then when he's back, he's got to figure out a way to make that work. And what? DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins is aging out. Um, AJ Green's already retired. You got to get capital for DeAndre. I mean, somebody will trade you a host of picks for DeAndre, who still clearly has it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's you got to get him out of there because Kyler's dead for the year. You're wasting a year of prime DeAndre Hopkins. Don't do it. Don't do what the Texans did. Uh, and then the Colts finally are done with all of their rounds of uh, uh, coach uh, interviews, and I ended with Shayna Steichen, Eagles Shane offensive Steichen, coordinator. Yeah. Steichen. Yeah. Um, he's going to be their head coach now. Um, there's also a rumor that Gus Bradley, who they kept on, might just stay on as defensive coordinator. Should be good for them. Yeah, is that's a little steadiness, and and Gus Bradley knows, you know, he's been a head coach before. I guess there's a relationship there with Steichen. So Colts bringing on the offensive coordinator for the Eagles to restart this uh, this indie stuff. I I gotta say, there were some photos taken of Shane Steichen. This very early on might be the ugliest head coach in the NFL. <laughs> and I don't I really don't mean that as an insult. I, you know, I'm not I'm not the most beautiful man in the world, but my god, some photos of Shane Steichen made me feel like I was I was in a horror movie. My wife likes to point out the looks of the head coaches in the NFL, so I'll get her opinion on that. I'll bring it back to a, to the people. Um we'll put together the, uh, of of all the 32, I mean Somebody get us a tier list. I'm just I'm just <laughs> so used to Andy Reid that I put him I put him in my top five most attractive because he's just he's oh. really but he owns the walrus. You know what I mean? It all kind of comes down to what you find attractive. I think it's Pete Carroll's a top five. Pete Carroll's a top wow. five. He's silver fox. I'm learning so much about you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Listen, you got a head of silver hair or a walrus mustache. I'm not saying I'm gay. I'm just saying I'll think about it. And and uh, Steichen and Gannon need to know that taking these positions lead them to this tier list that has all of a sudden become a thing. You're on the list. So Nothing you guys I can are do about you're it. on you're on the list now. You took the job. Cliff Kingsbury was um, high on there, although he was just a good look. Now we're doing the list right now. Uh, wow. <laughs> he was just doing. Uh, he was doing okay looks wise. Bad bad eyes. Uh, you could see there was no soul there, Terry. You know. Well, my wife is is a fan of of our new head coach, and of course, you know he is a tall quarterback. Guy's good looking, but the one that she always talks about is actually Kevin Stefanski for the Browns. She thinks he's he's a good looking guy. Oh yeah, he's got a good look. Um, I'm not as I'm not as high on uh, Sean McVay as some people, but Stefanski's a looker. Um, and honestly, it's probably Matt Lafleur. 
Matt LaFleur is right up there too. He's he's a real dreamboat that Matt LaFleur. <laughs> um all right, well, I mean, you want to do all 32, we'd be here. Well, I mean, that, we're we're going to talk about the bottom uglies. If we're talking about bottom uglies, Shane Steichen, welcome to the party. Oh no. Uh oh, absolutely. Absolutely top 5 ugliest coaches. Um I I don't think Mike McCarthy's like the worst looking dude, but he's not he's not having a great time. Um let's see. She does think the uh the new Dolphins guy's just kind of a nerd. Oh, McCoy? And he is. No, I mean he's not a he's not a terrible looking man. Yeah, no, not terrible looking. Bad. I'm not saying any of these people are bad looking. I get get on there at their looks too much. And I think um, it, I think you lose you know, when you get to a certain age, it's like, well, what the fuck are you gonna do? You know what I mean? Like you're mm-hmm. just your body's falling apart. What do you want to what do you want to have happen? Does your guy in uh, Dallas? Um, I thought in the uh, 2020 NFL draft when they had the camera like right up to his face, we're like, oh, he's kind of got like a wall wandering eye. Oh yeah, Mike McCarthy's got a lazy eye. McCarthy does, yeah, yeah, it's rough, it's bad, and uh, I, you know, listen, it's not good. Uh, there's <laughs> there's a lot of bad looking fucking dudes. Um, I like. Yeah, well, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think who's the fucking worst looking I can think off the top of my head. Sean Payton's looking pretty, but he's just a pill popper. So that's really fucking him up. And Arthur <laughs> Smith on the Falcons, not a handsome man. You know, and luckily for these guys, it's it's not a pageant. They got to get out there and they got to be smart. They got to either call call the right plays. But um, what we got to look at here is Stanky getting the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. position. He's got maybe Gus Bradley in place. Jonathan Gannon's a defensive coordinator. Who's going to be the offensive mind for these Arizona Cardinals? They bring Black Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> we need Kingsbury. Uh, we do have some other our coordinators. Eagles are uh, expected to make their QB coach Drew Petzig offensive coordinator. Um, so he'll get just a uh, um, promotion. Ravens Todd Monkin will be their offensive coordinator. He spent the last three seasons at Georgia. Georgia's done pretty good the last three seasons. But this guy was also offensive coordinator of the Browns and Buccaneers hmm. uh, past seasons. I remember I was talking about a Todd Momkin before, but yeah, it's at least been four seasons ago. Yeah, I always <laughs> thought about him as Taylor Momsen for some reason. I Oh, sure. Yeah, Momsen, Momkin, I don't know. TM. Um, and then Buccaneer is hiring Dave Canales as their offensive coordinator. He was the Seahawks QB coach. Hmm. So the Buccaneers are hoping that they can bring some Geno magic there, I guess, for whoever's going to be QB at uh, in Tampa Bay now. It's a real natural progression to be the QB coach to the offensive coordinator. That happens a lot. You know, Mike Kafka did yeah. that with uh, – when I think he went Eagles to Giants, I want to say. Where was Kafka, okay. the offense? He was the – QB coach somewhere and then became the Giants offensive coordinator. Yeah, I know you're talking about. I can't remember the teams he was at though. Um, the one guy you brought up to me, and I think we we should bring it up to on the on the air. Eric Bieniemy, man, another yep. round where uh, now he's he's not getting a job, and the record or his account now I saw in somewhere is 17 interviews for coaching vacancies for him. With 16 different teams since 2019, and he hasn't gotten any of those jobs. So two things are hurting him. Number one, if Eric Bieniemy was named head coach, he's right in the bottom five uglies. <laughs> so I hate to add insult <laughs> to injury, that. but yeah, he's not a good-looking man. Um, secondly, 
there is a certain amount you can say like, hey, you know, there's there is racism in the NFL. We know this. But maybe, just maybe, when that many people pass, maybe he's a shitty interview. You know? Yeah. Maybe he's a shitty interview. And it doesn't mean that he couldn't do it, but he might be a bad fucking interview. There's a lot of guys that interview really well and don't wind up being really good head coaches. He might be a really good head coach that interviews like shit and like mm-hmm. keeps his cards close to his chest and is like, man, I don't really want to tell you all my plans in case you don't like them. You know, there might be a thought as well if Andy Reid's like, hey, listen, Eric, I got like two more years. Like, just stick around. Like, don't don't go to a position that you don't feel like you can be successful in. Um, there's a there's a legit chance he takes over in Kansas City if Andy Reid leaves. So if you're Eric Bieniemy, you're probably playing a real small violin, uh, thinking you're still in a pretty good position. Yeah, um, and the Andy Reid retirement stuff kind of surfaced right before the Super Bowl. I feel like it's already been squashed. Oh I'd yeah, be he said he's surprised if he does. Yeah, um, and then the other side of it is like I've heard. There's rumors that Andy Reid has kind of gone to bat for Eric Bieniemy in the past too, like it, it, at NFL ownership meetings or something. Being like, how come this guy hasn't gotten hired? Will somebody tell me? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think Andy Reid knows more about him than anyone else, and if he likes the guy, then it's only a matter of time. He is going for an interview with to be offensive coordinator in Washington. I think like this week because contract might be up in Kansas City, which is weird. A guy who wins the Super Bowl, if he's not getting poached for a higher position, you think you're going to bring him back. Yeah, <laughs> I would think so. So we'll see. We'll see what Kansas City's plan is for Eric Bieniemy and, and his future. Interestingly, the, oh, uh, yeah. Eric Bieniemy had a bunch of issues in the 90s. Yes. But the last issue this. he had was back in 2001, which is 22 oh. fucking years ago. Well, then, yeah. That's a we long time. Believe that somebody's changed. Yeah, he was 31 years old. I don't know if you remember when we were 31. We were still pretty fucking dumb. Um, it's been, it's and, been a bit, yeah. And, you know, obviously we were never, you know, doing the shit he was doing, but he, you know, he got a drunk driving arrest back in 2001. He got into some violence in the early 1990s when he was a player, you know, mm-hmm. when he was doing that sort of shit. So that's almost understandable. Uh, right. And there's nothing else to do in San Diego but bar fights. So... Yeah, I, I don't think that can really be held against him anymore. The only thing that would worry me if he's like doesn't want to answer for it in the interviews, which is both understandable and a red flag. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the fly on the wall in these interviews, man. To see what that is uh, going on in there, we don't know. Yeah, love to see it. That's the coaching hires. I think I have. I don't know if I'm missing any more. Uh, uh, Cons- uh, consultant hires, coordinator hires, things like that. I'll get them as they come as, as I can find them, but that's what I got. Uh, the other news this week is Derek Carr, released by the Raiders. He is a full-on free agent. Uh, can be picked up by anyone Yeah. Um, a month before free agency opens up. So he gets a little head start. <laughs> Which is what, this is the weird thing. Like I was talking about this a while ago. I'm like, no, they're going to release him. They can't trade him. Like right. He's not going to want to get traded. You know, why would trade him? He's yeah, he just put his foot down saying, No, he might as well just cut me. Yeah. And they they had to do it before he was offered forty point four million guaranteed. That that was the thing. He literally had a poison pill contract. You know, yep. he had a poison where he's like, Hey, I'm either getting paid like a top five QB or I'm the fuck out of here and I don't have to be in, 
you know, Vegas anymore. I, I think wherever he goes, he's going to be a better QB option than what they've got right now. Yeah. Well. No matter where he goes. Yeah, if he goes to New have, York, if he goes now, to, yeah. you know, New Orleans, um, wherever he goes, he's going to improve that quarterback situation. Unless he goes to Kansas City for some insane reason. And with this cut, two Raiders get absolutely nothing. There's no compensatory nope. picks, things like that. Uh, yeah, they're just out of it. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's a refresh for the Raiders. They have to find a new quarterback. There's not one on the roster. And yeah, Derek Carr gets a head layout. Like I said, gets a head start, a month head start to uh, start talking to teams. Like he he had an interview thing with the Saints, and they tried to do a trade there, and that didn't go through. Doesn't mean he can't still go to the Saints now. Oh yeah. He probably enjoyed that interview and was like, uh, "How would you just like to have me without giving up a draft pick? Would that be bad? Yeah. Would that work for you? Would work for Plus me?" Plus, we can probably yeah talk talk money a little different, and you don't, you're not going to pay that much. Yeah. So I'll give you a break. You don't lose a draft pick, and uh, I get the fuck out of Vegas. Uh, Dan, did you hear that Brett Favre is suing Shannon Sharp and Pat McAfee for defamation? Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and he's gonna. I mean, it's an interesting hill to die on. Um, yeah. he forgot that Pat McAfee has a little bit of fucking capital right now and can probably fight Brett Favre. Man, I was like interested too. It's like they probably just will ignore it and not talk about it. But McAfee took like 10 minutes on his thing to be like, I'm not going to hire an attorney and I don't care. And he's like, fine, okay. Um, but yeah, it's not going to go anywhere for Brett Favre. It's just taking him a, a bigger grave. Um, and then the only other thing I have for this week, Dan, is the, uh, NFL AP honors that happened this week. Yeah, we can run through who took home the awards. No real surprises here. It was hosted by Kelly Clarkson and her big old Cowboys dress. Did you see that, Dan? I love me some Kelly Clarkson. Uh, I have loved. I loved her. Listen, I loved Kelly Clarkson before I found out she was a Cowboys fan. At that point, yeah. boom, right in the top ten. Well, she can certainly sing, and she the hosting thing isn't above her. It's just the comedy stuff was a little awkward there yeah. but i think the honors awards usually are she's a better comedy um, audience than comedy performer right i would say that um offensive player of the year got one to my justin jefferson mm-hmm. they did not get that wrong thank you correct defensive player of the year nick bosa correct um good for him 18 and a half sacks which is two and a half more than anyone else um they did something different with the uh, voting this year something we should talk about is instead of just straight up who gets this and who has how many number one votes. There's like a first, second, third place voting, and you added it up that way. So um, Nick Bosa got most of the, the votes here. Hassan Reddick, two number one votes. Chris Jones and Quentin Williams got votes there. Your Micah Parsons didn't receive one. They, they made a big deal out of that. No, but that makes sense. I mean, he wasn't – the first half of the season – Micah Parsons was absolutely probably the defensive MVP. The second half of the season, he slowed down considerably, and Nick Bosa picked up. So there's always a recency bias with this stuff, too. But he didn't have the numbers. He wasn't comparable to Bosa this year. Uh, We had Geno Smith as comeback player of the year. Correct. That was obvious. That was the correct choice there. Offensive rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson. But in the voting, Kenneth Walker actually received more, quote, first-place votes than Wilson. He received one more. But with the second and third place votes, it just balanced out that Garrett Wilson was the offensive rookie of the year. And I think that's correct. I mean, you know, Kenneth Walker the third didn't play the whole season. He played about twelve full games, and he was great. He was electric. 
but he wasn't the offensive rookie of the year. I, I think it was Garrett Wilson, who, if you're a quarterback going to the Jets, you're pretty happy about that fucking guy. Well, and it kind of tells us, too, that the uh, offensive rookies were all pretty kind of even. Yeah, competitive. Um, yeah, nobody really stood out greatly for these guys, but um, still guys that, that uh, yeah gave forth an effort right away. If Pickett had made the playoffs, if Kenny Pickett had made the playoffs, he is the offensive rookie of the year, absolutely. If a quarterback makes the playoffs in his rookie year, he's probably the rookie of the year. Well, we had... Uh, um, Purdy, Brock Purdy. Oh, sure. Is that argument? Five games, <laughs> a little different, right? right. Um, and then, but the uh, Jets sweep the rookies as they got Sauce Gardner, a defensive rookie of the year. So and, all of the Jets is Gardner. And quite the opposite, where you're looking at stats for almost everybody except for corners. When you don't see any stats on a corner, that's a good thing. You know, yeah. means that guy is shutting that field down. And Sauce Gardner, legit, dude. He's legit. He's better than we even scouted. And we, he was our pick for the, the defense work of the year halfway through the season, too. Saw that one coming. Mm-hmm. Coach of the year went to Brian Dable. Dable got 16 votes. The others were Shanahan with 12, McDermott 7, Sirianni had 6, Peterson got 5, uh, Andy Reid got 2, and uh, Campbell and O'Connell got 1. It was Dable. It was Dable by a fucking mile. I'm surprised it was even that close. Although Shanahan did a, a yeoman's job. Um, but aside from that, like... Whose team was more stacked? I mean, Shanahan did a good job navigating a, a quarterback issue, but Dable did a good job managing mm-hmm. an everybody issue. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it, yeah. Um, and then our MVP, Pat Mahomes, his second win. Uh, they gave Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts one vote each uh, themselves, but they went to the right guy, went to Pat Mahomes. Absolutely. I mean, Jalen Hurts is probably having a different uh, – we're probably having a different conversation if Jalen Hurts plays the entire season – but uh, Mahomes did, so Mahomes wins. Uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year or your Dak Prescott gets uh, booed by Eagles fans at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Classy. Yeah. Yeah, That's uh, don't worry. Uh, they didn't pay for that at all in the fucking karma. Uh, they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't eat massive shit in the fourth quarter, and uh, I booed them. I booed them. So who's really the winner, Scott? It's me. That's who's the winner. There we go. Um, and then our – It's, oh, it's yeah. weird, though, the way the NFL is like our top honor – the NFL Man of the Year. And I'm like, if you ask Dak Prescott, would you rather win the NFL Man of the Year or the NFL MVP? I, I'm i going to guess he's going to be honest with you and say MVP. Who's top on? Are yours or mine? Yeah. Um, here's our uh, 2023 Hall of Fame class, um, which now the Hall of Fame class thing, just find the the knock videos on, on online. Watch those. They're very touching. Um, uh, Joe Thomas, or not Joe Thomas, it's Zach Thomas's. We just broke down. He's been waiting, man. He's been waiting. It's been tough (laughs) for him. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, He's going Dolphins linebacker. Also, Darrell Rivas, Mm -hmm. Jets cornerback. Joe Thomas, offensive tackle. Browns, Demarcus Ware, your Cowboys, defensive end. Uh, Rondé Barber, Buccaneers cornerback. Uh, Don Coriel, coach Don Coriel, the old Chargers. Coriel, baby. Overdue. Uh, He should have been in. Yeah, uh, defensive tackle Joe Klecko for the Jets, uh, the part of the New York Sack Exchange. Also, four small roles in Burt Reynolds movies for Joe Klecko. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cornerback Ken Riley of the Bengals, and linebacker Chuck Howley, also of your Cowboys. That's my Cowboys, baby. Chuck Howley, good to see him in there. Um, that's probably the last 70s Cowboy to get in, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. 
he was like the last one outstanding. Everybody else was kind of in. Um, to go th- to kind of go through it, uh, Joe Thomas was the best left tackle in the NFL for over ten years. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolute first ballot. Darrell Revis for five or six years was the number one shutdown corner in the NFL. Revis Island. Revis Island. I mean, he's also got Revis Island. That's fucking crazy. Um, Zach Thomas didn't deserve to be first ballot Hall of Fame, but it makes sense here that he makes the Hall of Fame. He was one of the better linebackers, a really undersized linebacker for the Dolphins and for the Cowboys as well. Demarcus mm-hmm. Ware, I want to say, probably had five or six years where he was one of the more dangerous pass rushers in the NFL. And I think the thing that put him over the top was actually going to uh, Denver and winning one uh, with Von Miller's ability. So that really helped DeMarcus Ware's argument as a Super Bowl champion. Um, Without that Super Bowl, I don't think he gets in. I really don't. And then Rondé Barber, once again, uh, I think it's just the longevity of Rondé Barber and the fact that he had that Super Bowl, that pushed him over the edge and uh, finally got him in. Yeah, um, nice class of uh, Hall of Famers. So usually you pick uh, from those teams for that Hall of Fame game who plays like one more extra preseason game. You're looking at maybe Cowboys, maybe Jets, those teams. Probably. We'll see. Um, That's what I got, though, for the show, for our Super Bowl recap. It just keeps going as the news keeps going. We are going to keep going ourselves next week. or, you know, this this show we're going to start recording on a weekend, get it out maybe on a Monday. Mm-hmm. That's probably the plan. Oh, yeah. But uh, what are we coming back with the people We are uh, coming back time, with quarterbacks, baby. We are, we are going to be on record with all these quarterbacks. We're going to let you know how we feel about them, let, them know, let you know what to expect uh, coming out, how many first-rounders are going to go, how many top-ten picks, um, how mm-hmm. many guys are forced into the top-ten that are maybe second-round talents. You know, these are the things that uh, that you will concern yourself with. I think we're going to see, oh, yeah, a whole handful more uh, earlier quarterbacks than last year in this draft. Um, so keep an eye on where we think they're going to go uh, next time on the Push Off Podcast. So come on back. Uh, we're not going to uh, jump into the offseason just yet. Uh, but I got some crazy stats, Dan, to wrap us up here for this week. Nice. Um. We talked. I already brought up the 35 points most scored in a Super Bowl losing effort. Uh, here's this stat now: teams leading by double digits at halftime of the Super Bowl are now 26 and two. Ooh. We know the other one. Yeah, that's that Shanahan one you brought up. Yeah, that's rough. Oh my! Oh Shanahan. Um, of the last 17 QBs who lost their first Super Bowl, have never made it back. And that's Jalen Hurts. This stat goes all the way back to Stan Humphrey's 1995 Chargers. If you lose your first Super Bowl, you never come back. Yeah. Oh if you, God. If, yeah. Of the of those last 17, yeah, since 1995, if you get to the Super Bowl and you it's like Joe Burrow, see if he ever comes back and things like that. Joe yeah. Burrow, I think, is your number one uh, opportunity to break that. To break that, yeah. I mean, Hertz isn't going to have a shot here, too. Hey, but. Jimmy G, who knows Who knows where he lands? Um, only these uh, 2022 Chiefs and the 2019 Chiefs are the uh, have won Super Bowls after giving up 20 or more points in every playoff game. Who needs a defense? <laughs> what you can score. Um, and then finally, of all the head coaching vacancies now filled, Sean McVay, who's been with the head coach for the Rams for seven years, is still the youngest head coach in the league. God damn, really? 
How old is he? Still the, still the youngest. Well, uh, what just comes down to is like Gannon and all these other guys are still older than him. I thought Steichen was only 36. Apparently not. Oh, damn. That's insane. And he's, you know, been like flirting with retiring for the last few years. I would love to retire. Oh, Steichen's 37. They're both 37. Okay. So McVay must must be a matter of months. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Folks, that's our crazy uh, crazy stats. That's our push-off podcast for this week for the Super Bowl, Louie, as it comes to an end. I hope you guys had fun watching it. I think we did. And uh, we had even more fun dissecting it with all of you here tonight. Um, So to wrap it up, Dan, do you have any parting words of wisdom? Yes, it's the parting words for the 2022 competitive football season. And that Mm. is... The season is dead. Long live the season. 2023 starts now. Rebuild your team through the draft, through scouting, through free agency, and so let it begin the march towards the 2023 season opener. Yeah. Uh, weekends get super depressing at this time of year when football's over, so let us bring a little bit of that uh, football light into your, your life here during this offseason, guys. So stick it right here with the Push Off Podcast. And, and it's also because three hours uh, a day on Sunday now, you just listen to Bon Iver. Maybe if you change that, that might help you. Never, <laughs> never. It really chillaxes me. Thank you guys so much for joining another episode of the Push Off Podcast. I am Scott. And this is Dan. We will see you next time. Have a wonderful one. Goodbye. Oh